Well, why don't we begin by praying together? It's just a question, really. What is the Spirit doing? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Just ponder that. What's he, what's he doing and what's he saying in your life right now? But the microphone is working still. The Spirit of the Lord is at work in our lives. Just dwell on that, just for a moment. Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, and he spoke about the Spirit, how the Spirit comes and goes like the wind. We don't know where, which direction it comes from, or which direction it's going, but the Spirit is always leading us. And he's always leading us into life. And he's always leading us to the person of Jesus and the Father. It's always revealing so what's he saying? I have a sense this morning as we were worshipping there, it's like he's bringing hearts alive. After a season, after a period where things have just been stolen, things have been taken, and it feels like this morning a, a bit like a, a defibrillator. The Holy Spirit's just, just restarting our hearts again, just bringing them to life. So if that makes any sense to you, just say yes. If that's what you're doing, Spirit, yes. We can't muster it up. We can't put on a good show. We try our best. But it's the Spirit of the living God that brings us alive. So we welcome you. We welcome your Holy Spirit. We partner with you. Amen. Amen. Well, a warm welcome to you. Um, I wasn't here last week, so if you were here last week, I didn't see you. I was at Antrim Coast Vineyard uh, looking for a new church, actually. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I said I, I went there to share, and I said, and this is totally true, they are the only church I know that have grown during the pandemic. That's totally true. There are hundreds and thousands of churches in terms of um, population and attendance have shrunk during the pandemic. They are the only church that have grown. And praise the Lord, they are doing absolutely amazing. And I went there just simply to, to share and to announce some exciting news. Andrea Howard is going to be employed on a part-time basis. We're going to employ her for 10 hours a week. Uh, which is great, and it was just so, so good to, uh, to be there with them. I managed to catch up on YouTube of uh, Johnny Farrell, who I believe I heard good things about. I thought I need to check it out for myself, and so, uh, so I tuned in and listened to what he had to say. Here are some one-liners that he used during his talk. Was, um, he was encouraging us to fulfill our kingdom capacity, to live a life of purpose. 
And he also said that obedience unlocks an opportunity. He shared uh, biblically the story of David, how the shepherd became the warrior, became the king. And that came as a process of obedience to what the Lord was doing and saying to him. He shared various stories from Stand By Me as he works for, just uh, incredible, inspiring stories, how uh, by partnering with the Holy Spirit through the organization, lives were being changed. And uh, he read, uh, in the context of his sermon, he read this verse. I'm going to reread it today because it kick-starts or introduces brilliantly what I want us to share over the next few weeks as we journey this new series called Take Your Place. He read from 1 Peter 4, verse 10. I'm going to read it slowly. I want you to listen. I want you to digest it. I want you to ponder it and, and put your name in the word you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. COVID has uh, just ravished the earth, quite literally. It has taken effect in every nation within the world. Uh, it's affected uh, cities, towns, villages, communities, families. It's infected all of our lives in a in, in whole, whole manner of degrees of impact and effect. It has dramatically affected the way churches function and, and have community. We are living now in this season of rebuilding. This is a rebuilding season. And, and we've used this analogy before. It's like an earthquake. The earthquake has gone off, and it's been a very, very long one. And it's now is the period when we're cu we've come out of our houses and we're beginning to mix and mingle and meet people. And, and, and for some, it has felt like that we're actually dragging people out of the rubble, bringing them out of, of places where they have been, where they've been kept. And, and it's, it's a place where we dust things off and we begin to rebuild our lives. But we still live with the tremors. The tremors of an earthquake, you still sort of feel it. We're still under the impact of it. We're sat here brilliantly. Praise the Lord that we have another new place to, to be able to meet. But we're still here with face masks on. You have to book in. You are sort of where well, you are separated. It should be one meter apart. If you're not, well, don't worry about it too much. But we should, we should still be really, really vigilant. We would encourage you to take the lateral flow test, all that sort of stuff. We're living in these moments where there's still the impact of things going on. And yet, I really sense like God is inviting you to join us, to take your place in our church community, in our wider community, in the rebuilding of our lives and of our community. I'm going to use the story of Nehemiah, which is my favorite um, book in the entire Bible. And uh, we're going to use it as a context to kind of help just sort of cast some vision, really, and an invitation to use whatever gift God has given you to serving other people. Uh, Nehemiah, uh, many of you will know the story, but he was basically burdened by the fact that Jerusalem, the holy city, the people of God, where the people of God resided, the walls were broken down. Uh, many of them were living in exile, as was Nehemiah. Nehemiah was permitted, he was allowed to return to Jerusalem. And his mission, his goal was to rebuild the broken walls. And after a couple of days of inspecting the walls and, and, and sharing with others, come on, let's see, let's see what we can do to rebuild 
this city. They begin work. And we're going to look at a, a chapter in the Bible that's Nehemiah chapter 3, if we can bring those verses on. <clears throat> now, this is a chapter in the Bible you are probably never going to quote, ever, I imagine. This is a bit like a genealogy, uh, which you might find in the Old Testament. It's a bunch of names, which I'm going to struggle to read out. But there is a point and there is a purpose. I'm going to read 11 verses from the chapter that has 31 verses. And it is a detailed account of who did what of the rebuilding of the walls. This is the point. And I'm asking you to think about this and listen to uh, some of the things um, where the pe- who are the people who rebuild the walls? Who are they? Not their names, but who are they? What did they do? Here we go. I'm going to pronounce them terribly. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep, the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of that person, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of that person, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jessanah gate was repaired by Joadda. You should have read this, Chantel. Son of that person, da-di-da. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men of Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatia of Gibeon, and son of Dadla, one of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to them. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall, so on, so on, and so on. I'm not even going to finish. I feel like I need to lie down after that. Number of points just from those words. Numerous individuals are named son of such and such, then this person did this, and they did that, and this person, and this person, and they're named uh, by person. Specific areas of the wall are named, the sheep gate, the fish gate, the tower of a hundred, walls in between. Specific jobs are recounted. It's not just about laying bricks or stones, as it were, in those days, but doors, bolts, and bars were also listed. But this is the important point, and the reason that I've struggled to read over those verses is this. It's who built the walls. Listed in this passage, the high priest, other priests, men of Jericho, sons of, the goldsmith, the perfume maker, individuals right outside their own house. What do you notice? What do you see? Everyone took part in the rebuilding of the walls. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter where they came from or what their jobs were. They all took part in this mammoth task. 
The task was great. They had a big job to do. The length of the walls was said to be 4,018 meters long, which is roughly, very roughly, two and a half miles long. The average height of the wall was 12 meters. The average thickness was two and a half meters. The walls contained 34 watchtowers and 18 gates. That is a lot of work. That is a lot of stone. There's a lot of wood. There's a lot going on there. And uh, a lot of labor was required. As I look out, we have some laborers. You remember that passage about the, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few? We have lots of laborers in this room. And there's lots of other laborers watching at home. If we all take our place and we all do our bit, we can achieve some incredible things. We can partner with the Holy Spirit that leads us into life and leads others into life. We can do this together. And the folks that built the, uh, the walls, they saw and they understood the importance and the bigger picture of having walls. In those first couple of chapters of Nehemiah, those of you who know the story, you'll know that Nehemiah comes and he gathers individuals together and he begins to cast vision. He says, look, we are in disgrace amongst other nations. We must do this job. We must do it for the pride of our people, for the sake of our people. We must also do it for the protection of our people that live behind the walls. They saw the importance. They saw uh, what it was that they were doing. And it's important for you to know if you're part of our church and you're journeying life with us and you're taking your place in terms of the direction of which we're going. It's been a conversation that uh, our uh, leaders have been having recently. We uh, were discussing this just uh, two or three weeks ago. We're sort of saying, yeah, but we want to have fresh vision. We have the fresh revelation. And we're like, we're just kind of keeping going at the minute and we're beginning to rebuild. And actually the vision hasn't changed. The vision's the same. We're called to make disciples. That was the very thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the Father, is go and make disciples. Go and make other followers like you and like me. Go do that. That's our job. And all of us get to do that. All of us. We're modeling what we do and the way that we live our lives is being followed. It's being copied by other people. Those of us who are parents, we are discipling our children. Our children, God love them, become uh, not just looking like us, but they behave like us because they pick up all of the things that the parents are doing in their lives. That's, a, that's quite scary, actually, for some, isn't it? But that's it. God's called us to disciple others. And it's through practicing the greatest commandments of loving the Lord your God and loving one another as we do. I love the worship that we had this morning. Being in the presence of Jesus is where I come alive. Those of us who came two Sundays ago, or no, it was last Sunday, wasn't it? Sunday night? Yeah, last week. It was just like, oh, Chantel described it as like, as like drinking after being in a, in a period of just de being dehydrated. Being in the presence of Jesus, being uh, 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 just abandoned in that way, that's where we come alive. And, and like, we can preach the best sermons, we can do this, we can do it. But unless you encounter the living God for yourself, unless you experience his presence, nothing will actually change. We have to continue to go before him and be known by him. What's our vision? Our vision is hearts coming alive. 
It's seeing people set free of their stuff. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. We welcome everyone and anyone to come to journey their stuff, to be vulnerable, to, 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 to say and to be, it's okay not to be okay. But to gather in community, that's why our life groups are so important, that we share our lives with one another and that we invite others to journey with us, to listen to us, to encourage us, to lay hands on us and pray with us and say, it's difficult, but tomorrow's a better day. There's a brighter day ahead. It's coming. It's coming for you. Who are we? We're a church where we see the potential in each of you. And we call it, we call you to the very thing that God has on you to do. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I love doing what I do because I get to know you and I get to know your stories, good, bad, and ugly. And even as I'm saying these things, I, I, kind of, I can't help it. I can't, even though I, can only, I can't see your full face, I can only see your eyes. I'm clocking eyes with certain individuals and I'm thinking, I remember the conversation I had with you there where I asked you the question, what's the dream? And you kind of was a bit like a rabbit in headlights. Oh my goodness, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's a killer question. It's not killer. It's a, it's, an, it's a fundamental, important question. What has God got on you for you and your life? How has he gifted you? And what are you doing with the thing, with the talents that God has entrusted to you? We love it seeing people step into their identity. I am buzzing about my life group that I'm leading this term. It's for teenage boys. And we're going to be asking the questions. I've called it mining for gold. It's looking for the gold that's in each of us. But doing it with teenage boys as they wrestle and struggle with just identity and finding themselves in life. It's beginning to ask the questions which we should as parents be doing is, what has God made you specifically for? Not just, oh yeah, you're a son of God, which is massive, but also what has he got for you in your life? And it's not like a careers conversation, although that's, that is quite an important part of who we are, but it's trying to find out who am I in particular? What has God made me for? And that just encapsulates that's who we are as a church. Trying to find the gold that's in us and say, Go do it. Go take your place. Take that gift that God has given you to bless and to serve others. They all pitched in. The people uh, of Nehemiah's time, they all pitched in, except for the nobles of the men of Tekoa. I don't know if you picked that up as I read through the verses. The nobles would not put their shoulders to the, work, to the work under their supervisors. Later, though, in verse 12, it talks about um, uh, a whole section that was repaired next to them at the help of his daughters. And I think it's possibly the only place where female gender is, uh, is actually mentioned. And yet, I'm sure the women were so, so involved in the workings of the wall as well. I'm sure by serving and helping in some other ways. The point is that everyone took part and took place. 
within the life of our church. We mentioned um, this morning there's an opportunity for those of you who feel specifically called and gifted to worship, to attend a meeting. Not only that, there are lots of other opportunities where people serve in the life of our church through being on our welcome team, serving with our children, serving with our young people, in our uh, compassion ministries, in our women's events and things to do with our men and a whole number of other ways that you can get involved specifically just in the running, in the week-to-week running of the church. That's not to mention other ministries and projects and ideas and ways in which I think the Lord is going to birth in this new season as we rebuild. I believe that God has been speaking to individuals here either before and from now on. He's going to task you with some way that the Holy Spirit's just going to keep knocking on your door saying, you need, it's time, it's time, you need to resurrect that or you need to start that. Uh, just as I'm thinking that, I felt really like the Lord has been speaking to me. I need to restart our mentoring program in uh, Carrick Fergus Academy School. A brilliant, brilliant thing that we'd started pre-COVID. We're five of us going into the local school there and journeying life with individuals in the school. And, uh, and I am specifically looking, this is a sort of slightly shameless plug, not in the notes. Uh, if you feel you have two hours in the week where you feel like you could journey one-to-one and just have conversation with a, with a teenager, then please come and speak to me. I would love to have a conversation with you on that. There's ways in which all of us can take our place and be part of this church. Last point. They, the rebuilders of the wall, did what was necessary. I've never built a wall before in my life. I probably never will. I might. I don't have the skills. You ever watch a, a fella or a felleress um, laying bricks? You know, they take the brick, they get the triangle shovel thing, bit of cement, put it on there, and they put it down, they tap it with the handle, and they got their plumb line. See, I even know that's a bit of string, make sure it's straight and all the rest. That's absolutely majestic. Jeff McConnell's just woken up. He's, been asleep. He's just been asleep for most of the time. Yes, you have. You've had your eyes closed the whole time. But he's just come alive. Bricks, bricks. You want a wall built? Jeff's your man. Unlucky for closing your eyes during my sermon. <coughs> Everyone gets the play. Um, but I could help build a wall. I could lift bricks. I could move them. I could mix cement if you told me how. That's, that's a pretty non-skilled role. We can all do it. And that's what the rebuilders of this wall did. I'm sure there were skilled people. There were Jeff McConnells out there. They knew what they were doing. They could see it. But there were a lot of laborers moving stuff, doing stuff making the cheese sandwiches for break time, making the coffee or whatever it was. I loved reading the list of who took part, the priests, the goldsmiths, the perfume makers. I imagine the goldsmiths, in fact, all three of them, vocations, probably had soft hands. But by the end of it, they probably had hardened, blistered, calloused hands at the end of it. Last week when I was at um, Antrim Coast. Um, Mark Brown, some of you will know Mark. Uh, Mark and Carol were part of our church before they left the plant. Just a real gentleman. He's, um, 
he's on the board of trustees together with myself and Andrea. Uh, he does 95% of the work. Uh, no, no joking. He is flipping amazing, and he just gets on and does it. And he's a behind-the-scenes man. He just does it. Without him, the church would not function. Incredibly important role. What I loved about Sunday morning was when I went there, is he had the yellow fluorescent vest jacket on, and he's doing car parking for people who are coming. Just love it. Just do what is needed to get the job done. Prepared to roll his sleeves up. Doesn't matter what the task is. And, you know, I could use the same example of many of you. You get it. You do it. Doesn't matter. You need the toilets cleaned? No problem. You need those chairs put out for that? No problem. You need food delivered to people's houses? Yeah, I'm there. That's what we're calling you to. Now, last five minutes. I got very excited about this when I heard of this. Um, I'm stealing the idea from um, Inverness Vineyard. And uh, I thought, that's such a great idea. I'm going to do the same. So I bought a, a jigsaw. There it is. There, there it is. I'm not going to lie. It probably wasn't the best expenditure I've ever made on behalf of the church. It cost about 27 quid. I know. Oh, sorry. Take it out of my wages. <laughs> I couldn't find another one, honestly. But anyway, as a 400-piece jigsaw of Carrick Fergus, and each of you today, and probably the next couple of weeks, will get a piece of the jigsaw each to take home with you today. Ivan Skinner is going to be on the door as you leave, and I would encourage you to take a piece for each one of you and for each of your children. And that piece represents you and that piece represents your part in taking part and taking your place within the life of our church and our church community. And I realize it's Carrick Fergus centric and I realize there's many of us who don't live in Carrick Fergus. This is for all of us, regardless of actually where you live. And briefly, some things. All of the pieces put together make up the whole picture. All of them, all 400 have their own particular place within the bigger picture. And all of them collectively together make the picture. When one, piece, when one piece is missing, it affects the whole picture. You really notice, don't you? You ever done a jigsaw? It's like, oh, flip, there's a missing piece and you kind of rummage around and you're looking around the floor. Where is that piece? And it ruins the whole picture. When your piece is missing, when you're missing, it impacts the whole picture. It just, it just highlights the importance of being here. I don't necessarily just mean about physically being here, but being present and being part of our church. Each piece is unique and fits in just the right place. Each of those 400 are completely different. They're not the same. Every one of them is different, and every one of us is different. 
and our peace and our place is incredibly important in the bigger picture. You realize that when you go to put a piece in the wrong place, it just doesn't fit. And it needs to fit in just the right place. The other thing about a jigsaw piece is it's connected to other pieces beside it. And we too, as a church community, are connected to one another, relationally speaking. Without your peace, without you being here, your contribution, the peace and the picture is distorted. And so today and over the next couple of weeks as we continue just to journey this, this theme, uh, take your peace. If you're part of our church and you're journeying, this is home, take a piece. Take a piece for everyone. Sellotape it inside your Bible. Take a little piece of blue tack, stick it on the fridge. If you want to stick it in the drawer or even don't stick it in the bin. But keep it. It's a reminder. This is you. This is your part. This is the role that you have to play within church. And not just church, but the community of which our church is a part of.